Today, we're joined by James Altucher. He's an entrepreneur, angel investor, chess master. He's founded 20 companies. He's the author of 25 books, including Wall Street Journal bestsellers, The Power of No, and Choose Yourself. He's the host of the James Altshuler Show, which has over 40 million downloads. It includes guests like Mark Cuban, Sir Richard Branson, Tyra Banks, Tony Hawk, Ray Dalio, Tony Robbins, the list goes on. And in this episode, you're going to be getting some hot takes. You're going to be learning how you can leverage AI now to stay relevant, which is super, super great. And we also talk about why you should never publish anything unless you're worried what people think of you. This was a live recording of the After Hours Entrepreneur Mastermind. You can join the mastermind below to get access to people like James today. Join us. We'll see you in the next meeting. Without further ado, enough of me. Let's bring on Mr. James Altucher to drop some bombs. Yo, would you still agree with yourself in August of 2020? Is NYC still dead or is it coming back? What's the future of NYC? Yeah, I think everything in my article has been kind of coming true, not only for New York City, but all the major urban areas, San Francisco, Chicago, London, LA. You see, like in Miami, there's a net inflow or outflow out of New York City to Miami. There's a net outflow to Austin, to Atlanta, to Denver, not just from New York, again, from all of these cities. And you're starting to see like the owners of large commercial office buildings, like simply stop paying their mortgage, their loan, and just walking away. It's just not worth it for them to keep running their business. The lenders now have to take over these office buildings and figure out what to do. Right. And these SaaS companies like Facebook, Twitter, they're laying off tens of thousands of employees, I guess, because they realize that we don't actually need a kava bar on site. These people can work from home and still be highly effective, right? That's true for remote work, but they're laying off people because... They simply hire too many people. Like when times were good, everybody gets hired. And this happened in 2008, 2009 too. I asked a friend of mine who was a CEO of a fairly big company when he was doing a bunch of layoffs in 2009. And I said, are you just doing this because now this financial crisis gave you the excuse to fire everybody? Like now it's like, oh, the financial crisis, I got to fire everybody. Sorry, everybody. And he said, yeah, it was just an excuse because in good times, people just hire too many people. Well, sure. I totally get that. I guess the flip side here is AI has changed a lot of what's happening, right? ChatGPT passes the U.S. medical licensing exam. It's passed the bar exam. Writers are on strike. Is AI the death of white-collar work? No, not at all. That's like saying, back in 1995, I had this conversation with the head of HBO at the time, where he said, let me understand. So this internet thing allows you to send text message, and potentially even voice messages over our Ethernet cables, over our internet cables. And I said, yes. And he said, that's crazy. The phone companies will never allow that. That'll put all the phone companies out of business. And they're huge and lobbyists in Congress. They will never allow that. And of course, now the phone companies are bigger than ever. If you can't beat them, join them. They control the internet now. And you go back to every technological innovation it never resulted in a net decline in jobs. Okay, look at something as simple as ATM machines. Everyone thought banks won't need branches anymore. Bank tellers, there won't be any bank tellers anymore. It's all going to be the ATM machine. Well, guess what? ATMs increased profits so much at the banks, they started new services that their tellers and bankers do. And there's more branches than ever right now for banks. So AI is the same thing. Think of AI as an assistant don't think of it as a replacement for you. Think of it as an assistant to you, which allows certain people or many people to be much more productive. Now, 
in order to be to fully use AI, we're going to have to start new companies that really make use of the nuances of AI, and that's going to create new employees, new jobs. There's already a job called prompt engineer. Six months ago, if you said, "Oh, I'm going to be a prompt engineer," what? I, what does that even mean? That now, those two words have never been used together before in history. Now it's like, oh, we need six prompt engineers. There are exchanges now where people buy and sell prompts for different things. Like it's suddenly these new industries are popping up. And honestly, we haven't even, we're not even in inning one of this version of AI. So I think more jobs are going to be created. People are going to be more productive though. So a logo designer is not going to compete with mid journey to make logos. Now though, a logo designer, instead of making one logo a week is going to make 10 logos a week, 10 album covers a week. I spoke to the CEO of freelancer.com. They have about 60 million freelancers on there. He said, A, since the AI thing started, we've spiked in the number of freelancers and they're just doing more jobs. Like more money is being transacted because everyone's more productive. Well, yeah, and I think that's really what we're trying to accomplish here is that productivity. Stop doing the things you hate so you can focus on the things you love, the things you're great at. But at the same time, like... It, it makes me nervous because the scale is, it, it, everything is happening so fast. Like I feel like in 10 years, the world's going to be completely unrecognizable. But what I'm trying to do is stay atop of it, right? Like you said, you're not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by somebody that's using AI. So I think my question to you, James, you've been in the industry a hot minute. You founded 20 companies. How are you using AI? What are you doing to stay on top of this curve? I'm not using it as much as you would think. Here's how I would use it in different parts of my career. So for a while, I worked heavily in kind of the news industry. Back in like 2007, I sold a company to the street.com, which was in the financial news business. And if I was running that company right now, I would essentially more or less fire almost all of the journalists and have AI summarize and AI is not ready to do this yet, but it will be within a couple of months or a year or whatever. I would have AI summarize every news event that's happening and just, I would prompt engineers so the articles would be pretty good. And AI does know more than the average human about anything you would ask it. And it's pretty good at, at summarizing events. And I would use that to create all the articles and maybe five times as many articles as the human flesh and blood reporters were doing. So like that industry will change. Being a reporter reporting about your local city council, that is going to go away, but there might be more room for curated opinion from humans because AI, their opinion, AI's opinion is worthless. So, but humans have opinions. Humans have intelligent, rational thinking to, to develop their opinions. And quite honestly, we need good curated opinion making on both sides or in the middle. And listen, I agree with all that. In, in the adoption is at an all-time high, too. We talk about streaming. We talk about these AI assistants. But I guess part of the concern that I have, James, too, we talk about how the internet came about, and we had this commoditization of information, right? I remember when I was a kid, and I had to write a project, the teacher was like, all right, you have to go to the library, you got to pull out this almanac, and you got to read through pages after pages after pages in screenshots, and it was the worst. With the internet, it was like, okay, I've got 100 different resources that I can use straight from like Wikipedia. So anyway, you've got the commoditization of information, which came with the implementation of the World Wide Web. Yeah. AI is, to me, more of the commoditization of influence. Because if I'm a writer, if I'm a newscaster, if I'm an intellectual, and I'm using AI to start generating and thinking about ideas, maybe it's my assistant, it's scouring the, re it's scouring the web. Isn't there some sort of moral hazard of using AI as the foundation of our thoughts as we expand on them? 
Yeah, but I don't think that will happen as much as you think. Don't get me wrong. AI is going to change the galaxy. Like, it's going to be incredible. It's already been incredible, by the way. This... What's astonishing to us now is that we're, is chat GPT is AI with language, but AI with computer vision, AI with speech recognition, this has been around for like 20, 30 years. So it's really just this latest uh, incarnation of AI integrated with these large language models. But if someone asked you to give a speech about entrepreneurship, they don't want an AI to give the speech. They want you to give the speech. So here, I can go to AI and say, hey, Here's my experience. Here's my resume. What should I talk about in this speech about entrepreneurship? And you know what? AI is going to give me a lot of good bullet points. And I could say, tell me more. And it'll give me more good bullet points. And then I could pick, the, pick and choose the ones that I like the best. But no one's going to listen to AI give the talk. They want me to give the talk. They want you to give the talk. Not because we're so great, but we're better humans than AI is. AI is a digital assistant. And I'm not being a naysayer. I think AI really will change the world, it'll increase productivity of every job, every industry. It's going gonna, it's gonna to transform industries in that it's going to cost lots of jobs, but gain lots of jobs in other ways. But you won't have AI give a speech for you. You won't have, nobody wants to hear that. You won't have AI, like I sometimes with a guest, I'll say, what, I'll say to the AI, what questions should I ask this guest? It'll give me some pretty good questions. But the listener still wants to hear a conversation and wants to hear two people talking because the listener is trying to figure out the world just like we are. If AI is just transmitting from God, like this is what the world's like, humans, maybe they'll listen to that, but I doubt it. I don't think that's what people are interested in. Don't forget the AI only knows up to what we know. The AI can't move the edge forwards. We have to have new experiences, write new documents, have new opinions, have new thoughts. And that's how the AI continues to expand the frontier of what it's, it knows. Now it can come up with its opinions and it can expand the frontier as well, but those opinions may be right, may be wrong. Don't forget the way AI works is given a set of words, what is statistically the next word? Okay, now we have the next word. So to give it a new set of words, what's statistically the next word after that? That is the entirety of what AI does. And it's very good at it, but it's not better than us at expanding the frontier of human experience. Maybe human knowledge, but not human experience. And so I want to get on board with you. I want to believe you, but I'm, maybe I'm a little bit more pessimistic, right? I was reading this article the other day where there's this program, Replica.ai, which is basically a chatbot. And what ended up happening is men were turning these chatbots from Replica into sex bots. Basically, it was their online girlfriend. You say, oh, I had a long day. What do you? What can I do for One you, baby? One second, the replica.ai bookmark and... No, sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. What was that saying? Well, they actually took away... So this is where it gets good. Replica took away the functionality because they were going to go public and they didn't want that kind of like OnlyFans type of vibe going on. So anyway, they took away this functionality and there were millions of men who said, holy crap, you just lobotomized my girlfriend. I've lost my girlfriend. So I'm thinking, I'm like, I got a four-year-old, I got a seven-year-old. They both busted in during the course of this podcast here. Are all of our children going to be dating chatbots in 10 years? Are we just doomed to chatbot relationships? Give me a hot take. When you met your wife, you know, maybe you were attracted to her. Maybe you liked her conversation. But then what did you feel that moment when you realized, oh, wait a second, this beautiful woman that I've been attracted to Suddenly, I think she likes me too. I think she likes me back. How did that feel? Surprising. 
I think, <laughs> but it was great. It was great to get the feel, to have that feeling reciprocated was amazing because obviously there's millions, billions of other men on the planet that she could have chosen and she chose me. So yeah, that felt great. Feels great. Like that's the moment you realize, oh, something might happen here. And it's that humans are curious people. We're questioning people. We're hunters and gatherers. We're seeking things that we don't have. And that makes our, and we're, we've evolved natural selection. We've evolved to, to emphasize that feature of us, that dopamine goes up in our brains when someone likes us back or when we're about to kill the bear while we're hunting or whatever it is. You can't get that if you know for a fact, oh, here's my AI girlfriend. Of course she likes me. She's programmed to like me. This 80% of attraction goes away. And maybe people like that. Like it's a kind of like AI porn, I guess, but it doesn't replace that great feeling and that dopamine like rush of when you first realized and every day when you realize, oh, she likes me, she still likes me. That a AI can never give you that. Unless AI is programmed to do that, but then you know it's programmed to do that. It still doesn't give it to you. Well, and I guess the allure here, and I wasn't expecting to go into this, but the allure here is that is that dopamine release, right? I'm getting that dopamine release hit and it's empty on its face, right? It's like taking a shot of liquor. Like your life is not going to be better from drinking alcohol, but it feels good in the moment. Porn, not going to make your sex life and relationship life any better, but it feels good in the moment, right? So I almost wonder if this kind of obsession of dopamine, 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 dopamine is one of the problems that we have all these mental health problems happening in the world right now is we're all searching for that empty, paper-thin dopamine dopamine release that doesn't actually give that reality, that real relationship, that real curiosity and ex exploration that you're talking about. You know? Yeah, but that's already kind of happened, right? So like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these things have been around for, Facebook's almost 20 years old now, hard to believe. But there's already so much evidence that if you're college age or below all this social media, you shouldn't spend more than 30 minutes a day on it. It's like bad for you. It's this dopamine. The brain doesn't care where it gets the dopamine from. It just wants the dopamine. So you're right. But that's already been a challenge for our society. And AI adds to that. But I still like watching my TikTok videos. There's like incredible <laughs> videos on TikTok. Like every superhuman mutant kid is like climbing up walls of buildings on TikTok and doing these amazing magic tricks. And I don't know, all these things are happening. there. So it's like amazing. And AI is amazing also, but it's just another thing that's amazing. Now, what's really amazing though, is again, that the great increase in productivity, the economy will experience because of AI. Just think about the other use cases of AI. Like, like you mentioned the Roomba earlier. Well, now... You don't have to, you still hire a housekeeper probably, but not every day because you got the Roomba running all the time. The technology for the Roomba, by the way, was developed in 1988 or even earlier. I mean, the Roomba was around after that, but the ideas behind it were already researched. It was like dumb AI versus smart AI. Just have something that moves in a straight line, cleaning, and when it hits a wall, it changes angle randomly. And boom, that's the Roomba. And computer vision Okay, this is going to increase productivity. We're going to we're all going to commute in driverless cars so we can get work done while we're commuting. Now this is another great increase in productivity. Oh, a lot of things I can write, I can use AI to help me. A lot of things I can pictures I could I will have to draw or design, AI can help me. A lot of knowledge that I don't know. Oh, you know, what did you know George Washington think about X Y and Z? AI can help me figure that out. So 
AI is going to help us a lot. And in some cases, replace us just the way cars replace horses, just the way cars replaced runners and so on. But it's not, it's just going to, everything's going to move forward in a different way, though, in a better way, just like it did with cars, just like it did with planes, just like it did with computers and the internet and Roombas and computer speech and computer vision. You don't need an operator to pick up the phone anymore. Say yes if you need this, say no if you need that. So all of these things that are AI, this is just a very in-our-face example of AI because it integrates language and we use language all the time. Yeah, the empowerment, the empowerment factor. And I'm with you. That's why the best advice I the best advice I give to everybody is spend 15 minutes a day in chat GPT just so you could continuously learn how to use and iterate and to your point, prompt engineer. James, where's the best place for us to find you if we want to get more James in our life? I guess my podcast or my book, Choose Yourself, or my book, Skip the Line. Those are my two favorite books that I've written. Yeah, that's it. The James Altucher Show. You can find me on Twitter too. And guess what? You know what? Everybody, I know this is a surprise, surprise. I know what you're thinking, Mark. I'm never going to find James again. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to put links in the comments right below, right there in the description. So you can find James easy peasy lemon squeezy. Well, next time on Miami, one-on-one basketball. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that, brother. (laughs) Then we'll play chess right afterwards. It'll be basketball chess. I'm down. Yeah, we didn't even get into your chess master advancement. Do you think you could be an AI robot in chess? No, computers are impossible to beat in chess. And I know this because I worked on the first computer that beat Gary Kasparov in 1997, who was the world chess champion at the time. Wow. And humans were never, computers were, ever since that moment, were always better than humans. Well, hopefully, Elon, you give us the neural links, we can beat the humans in chess. Please help us, help save us from ourselves. I think Neuralink, if it fully, the full Neuralink, which is not going to be anytime soon, but let's say 20 years from now, that will end chess as a game because then it's all computers. Yeah, that's kind of scary that we can't even play games with each other. Like my daughter will be crushing me in Uno, finally. Or even poker, like poker, backgammon, anything that relies on statistics or like sheer calculation, computers are just better at. Yeah, the Neuralink thing is crazy, is really crazy. I, I don't want to hold you here, but if you've got, if you want to give me a hot take on Neuralink, I'd love to ask while you're here. I think right now it's what they're testing is for disabled people because, oh, let's send a signal to the specific neurons that move the arm. And so it'll move like the prosthetic arm that somebody might have. But to actually like access the internet and retrieve the information and see the information and know the information, I don't think they're anywhere close we don't even know how the brain works, really. So they're nowhere close to figuring that out yet. So that's a relief, because I do think Neuralink is more of an existential threat. Like you're thinking about AI, I think Neuralink, it really is an existential threat to big chunks of what we love about being human. So, you know, that that I'm a little pessimistic about that, but, but I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. Because I, I like playing chess. I don't want to play chess against someone with a computer in their head. Then it would be pointless. Yeah, well, it's, it strikes me that assuming Neuralink does what it probably could do, you're not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by someone that's using AI. Same concept. You're not going to be replaced yeah. by Neuralink. Someone using Neuralink is just going to be much better than you. And you're going to have basically two types of humans, humans with Neuralink and humans without Neuralink. And how, I don't see how you could possibly compete. Yeah, you can't. It's, again, like competing in chess against a computer. The, there's no way. Like... If the world chess champion played a computer 100-game match, he would lose 100 games to zero. 
So, or maybe, maybe, maybe he would draw once 99 and a half to one half. I'm all for solving problems, but uh, I agree with James here on keeping our humanity. Humanity is, is important thing to be, thing to, thing to take sacred, hold sacred, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, chess, chess is obviously a great game and hopefully one day we'll beat the robots. I don't know. We'll see. That'll be impossible unless we have Neuralink. <laughs> well, James, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, so much, so much for being here. This was awesome. I really yeah. appreciate you guys asking me on. It was really fun. Really great questions. Great stuff from people listening. And I really appreciate it. I enjoy these. No, you killed it. Great, great thought leader. And I feel like we just scraped the surface. Well, thanks so much, you guys. Thank, nice meeting everybody. Thank you. Thanks, James. Many blessings, brother. Thanks for being here. Thanks.